This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irokti, a yen of Chacht Erechor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientalem again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing. Well, it's the day after what Andy Farrell described as the best game he's been involved in. That was Ireland's win over Scotland at Murrayfield yesterday, of course, which will be remembered as the game where so much went wrong for Ireland, but they still came out with the right result to keep themselves on for a grand slam against England in Dublin on Saturday. What a week ahead. Well, Rory O'Connor is here. Rory, we've just got the update from the RFU with the latest on the injuries. If you can run us through that first. Yeah, well, it's um, it's a lengthy one. It took them a little while longer than normal to put it all put it all together because it's so much moving parts. But I suppose the headline is that Gary Ringrose, while he won't play against England this uh, this week, is doing well today, according to the IRFU, after that really nasty blow to the head that he took um, in the second half against Scotland. So look, yeah, I mean, a word on the on the ground yesterday was that he was up and around, you know, talking that he was obviously dazed and. And left confused by what happened to him, but you know it, it could have been much worse given the, the, how long that, that that stoppage took on on the pitch. And even Princess Anne was asking about him afterwards. I think everyone who was watching on a television, it was a real sour note to that game. But um, good news that he's back in Dublin and, and doing well. And while he won't play any part on Saturday, he'll hope that they can get the job done without him. Ian Henderson is the other. Um, player is going to miss out next weekend definitively. He broke a, broke his forearm against Scotland yesterday, which is really unfortunate. He was already in a cast by the time Andy Carroll was talking to us. We knew that was one that was going to end his tournament and probably puts him out of Leinster Ulster in a couple of weeks again. I know no one's thinking about the European Cup, but I'm sure there's Ulster fans who would be pretty alarmed at that because he'd be pretty important to them. But there is cover for both of them. They've called up Tom Stewart. That's probably a reflection of the fact that a bit of concern over the two hookers, although they are staying in camp. Andy Farrell was pretty upbeat yesterday about Caelan Doris and Dan Sheehan in particular. Both have remained in camp. Ronan Kelleher, he was more concerned about, I think, but Kelleher's staying in camp as well. So that's that's good news, I suppose. They would they would have ruled him out if they they, they thought he was definitively out. Um, so apart from that, they're 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 all going to train. I'd say it'll be a light enough week that out in, out in uh, Abbottstown though this week. I can't see them getting through too much work after that game with six day turnaround into England. Yeah, I don't know if you remember Mick Carney, the Ireland team manager, and the line he used uh, ten years ago because of the number of players out injured or suspended uh, during the twenty thirteen Six Nations. But he said it was like that old Charles Hawley line about Gubu, grotesque, unbelievable, bizarre, and unprecedented. <laughs> you know what happened yesterday? Uh, fairly rivals that. No more adversity, please. Can we have no more going into this final game? Oh, Andy Farrell's beating his chest and saying, "Bring it on!" You know, I mean, if you can get through He's yesterday, putting it out there. no, I've had enough now. Enough. <laughs> I think, well, like, 
the fact that they were able to manage their way through that second half, it, it, it just, I mean, the confidence it must give them going into a Grand Slam game, going into a World Cup, to be able to navigate those waters. Like, you know, everything is falling apart except for their own mental strength and their own belief. And the team that should have sailed home fell apart. It was Scotland, and I'm sure in Scotland the inquest will eventually switch to the fact that they had Ireland where they wanted them and fell apart. But, you know, Ireland displayed such, all all the buzzwords, resilience, adaptability, um, confident belief in themselves and each other. They were able to laugh in the face of, of adversity. I mean, how much more could have gone wrong yesterday? You know, really, Barkeen Healy going down. Like, you know, th- there was nothing else that could that, that could that could have happened. That you know, like it, that was about as much to Kanga wrong in eighty minutes of rugby. Maybe I should touch wood while I'm saying that. And they were able to come through it. So just leaves them in such a strong position going into this weekend. Yeah, you'd like to keep keep all the players on the pitch next weekend. You'd like to not have to worry about that sort of stuff. Now that we know Ireland can handle it. You would like for them to to just kind of do it the easy way this week and, and, and putting them to bed fairly early and enjoy what's going to be like the most magnificent occasion Lands End Road has ever seen in its long and storied history. I mean, Ireland, they have won a Grand Slam on home soil, but that was up at Ravenhill. They've, they've won triple crowns in Lands End Road in the old stadium. But to, to, to have England coming here on Paddy's Day, I mean, it just... It's incredible. The anticipation levels within Irish rugby and within Irish sport, like we'll never know days like this. Like, we got to enjoy these these moments as as Irish people because the team that Ireland have at the moment that Andy Farrell has put together, you know, it's the best team Ireland have ever had, and they just need to cement that. You know, to go to New Zealand and do what they did, but now to come back on home soil and do it at home. God, if they if they let this one slip against England, it's unthinkable at this stage because of how bad England are. But God, how disappointing would that be? How damp a squib would it be? It feels but, like the biggest trap that's been set. <laughs> yeah, and I, like I wrote in my piece today that you know Ireland's the sum of Ireland's ambitions once was to upset England on their big days. You know, think of Keith Woods try against England in two thousand and one that delayed finale to that championship. Think of two thousand and eleven where Ireland were out of the running but came and, and beat England to deny them a Grand Slam. But that's Johnny Sexton was playing that day. That's how recent that was. I know they already had a Grand Slam themselves under the belt, but we still said you know the whole the Aviva Stadium was still on its feet that day. Everyone enjoyed re- ruining England's day. You know, I think England would relish this, the prospect of, of putting um England would relish the prospect of, of, of destroying Ireland's day as well. I think that would be quite quite fun for them. You know, it's pretty poor for them that their roles are reversed to that to that extent. But it does it doesn't feel dangerous right now. It, like it, they were so bad like the diff- disparity between the two teams, the lack of quality England displayed on Saturday and throughout this championship, where they are in their development, you know, what, two months into Steve Borwick's campaign doesn't look like the players are playing for him. You know, they're not chasing back uh, to tackle players. You know, they're, they're just, you know, the, the work ethic's not there. The belief in the system isn't there. He's chopping and changing between key players. Whereas Ireland, they're three years in. They have unbelievable belief in their own abilities, in their systems. They're able to adapt to all sorts of situations. They can slot players in and out. They've lost key players and not missed a beat. Like, God, if they lost it from here, it would be such a disaster. Oh, it would be indeed. And just going back to, to yesterday again, I, you know, and I mentioned it in my intro there about Farrell's description of the game, and you mentioned New Zealand there. But he said, it wasn't champagne rugby, but in terms of character, fight and want for each other, that's the best game I've been involved in. I mean, this from a man who's done so much as a coach and head coach, and that sums it up pretty well, doesn't it? That says it all. 
It's incredible. I mean, sure, I'm sure there's a little bit of recency bias go, at play going on. I'm sure <laughs> when he was playing for Wigan, he never and you know you're playing days. I'm sure like there was some great days that he could go back to now and and you know with, with 24 on mature reflection and, and compare them and con- contrast them. And he spoke on he doesn't often talk about his playing days, Andy Farrell. Like we, we we often try and steer him in that direction because there's a whole untapped. I don't think he's ever done a book. You know, there's a whole untapped well of rugby league and rugby union experiences that he's tapping into all the time. But on Friday. On th- yeah, on Friday before the team left for for Scotland, he he was asked about the bus and the 2017 experience, and I, he had talked to the squad about that last week. That I, I think uh, Jack Conan talked about it in his post match interview. That uh, you know he was there when Joe when 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 Joe Schmick and his team got rattled by the bus being late to Murrayfield, and they wanted to make sure that no matter what came at them, they were ready for it. And he 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 referenced you were in Cardiff when he, he referenced it in the post match press conference. It's a key theme for him, and I think that's what gives him most pride is that. This team, who were so mentally fragile, and again, I was writing about this with the, the influence of Gary Keegan on, on Saturday's paper. They were so mentally fragile before the World Cup. It came to pass, you know, performance anxiety was the phrase that was used to describe what happened to them against New Zealand and Yokohama and Japan, that they, they basically got stage fright. 2026 Nations, they went to France with a title on the line, and they, they, they were terrible that day. They really played poorly. Sexton threw his toys out of the pram, spoke to a divided camp, it spoke to... Like everything that we that we don't associate with Andy Farrell's Ireland now, but he got support around them. He, he enlisted the help of Mick Kearney, who you mentioned already. He came back into the fold. He got Paul O'Connell on board for both tactical and motivational reasons, and he got Gary Keegan involved. And slowly but surely, they have rebuilt the belief systems of this team into something that looks to be absolutely impregnable now. They just look so confident in everything that they do, and and it's it's just hard to knock them in any way. Yeah, I'd say there's some kind of brainstorming sessions, uh, almost catastrophizing what could possibly go wrong. And we saw the result of that yesterday. Really interesting article from Bernard Jackman in the Irish Independent this morning, uh, you know, talking about the Keen Healy situation, that he's listed on the team sheet as someone who can play all three positions in the front row. And having Healy listed as a possible option at hooker meant that when Obviously, Kelleher um, had to go off. Uh, Ireland didn't have to go to uncontested scrums and drop a man to play uh, 14 against 15. It just goes to show the amount of preparation behind the scenes that we don't know about that almost comes to fruition when it's needed. Yeah, and I think we think back to that Italy game last year and the confusion around that. And and I'm not sure if that was what triggered it or is that something that they, they, they learned from. But they obviously are prepared for that eventuality in that way. And then with Josh van der Fleer, Leinster, I think, was, I don't know, was it the Italy game again? Or was it one, I think it was a European game? Or do you know what it was? It was England, Scotland in the last year's Six Nations where Luke Cowan Dickey was, was simbined in the last 10 minutes. And Scotland targeted, uh, Joe Marler was throwing into the line out. And as a result of that, Leo Cullen, Stuart Lancaster got Josh van der Fleer to practice his throwing. And he's been doing it regularly enough, I think, ever since that, that date. And God, is he good at it. You know, like, for someone that doesn't do it, like for all the amount of times you can do it up in UCD at training and the odd time when Leinster get a, a hooker sim in and you can't bring a sub on until there's a scrum. Like how many times is that? I mean, he, he threw eight lineouts yesterday and nailed five of them. And the ones he lost, I think one of them was what when the game was in the balance, but the other two were was after after the fact. Now Scotland will look at themselves and go, "How the what? How did they allow that to happen?" I mean, Listen, Scotland did not react to what was in front of them. There, no, they didn't. I mean, Ronan Keller was on the pitch with one arm for nine, for eight or nine minutes, and they never ran at him. Like surely they should have got like yeah, that's what you do. You like you know for all that it sounds 
a bit unfair and a bit unsportsmanlike. If there's a player who can't tackle, you run at him. If you have a fella who's not used to throwing, well, put the ball out, out off the pitch. Make him throw. Make Keane Healy scrummage. Turns out Keane Healy's pretty good at scrummaging. Maybe that's not a great plan, but at least test him. I mean, Keane Healy coming in in that regard. But I think Scotland showed a lack of uh, game intelligence, a lack of smarts, even from their coaches down. Like, you know, my, we could see even like Keane Healy was practicing line out throws on his knees in front of us as the first the first 10 minutes of the second half developed. So even and like the Scottish coaching ticket were sitting beside us. They should be seeing that and going, hang on a second. Keller, you know, we've seen Josh Van Der throw in while Keller is on the pitch. Keller cannot move his arms. He cannot lift his arms. I don't know how he scrummaged. There was one scrummage he did. And yes, Scotland didn't adapt. That'd be really frustrating for them. They must be angry about that because this was a chance. But the World Cup coming up as well, triple crown on the line, all the stuff about Stuart Hogg. And and they they blew it. There was a massively blown opportunity. They scored a, a great try and never never scored again. They only managed seven points despite all of their attacking flair throughout the game. I mean, such a damaging day for that Scottish team. But even uh, you mentioned the Italy game there, and I remember that day. Ireland didn't. Now they won out well in the end, but they didn't adapt as quickly as they should have when Italy went down to thirteen players. And I even think from then on they've learned how to even more problem solve as the game goes on. I mean, that's like real intelligence there to kind of, you know, figure out what do we need to do now and, you know, go for it then. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that they're, I mean, having Sexton there and Murray as well. I know he came off and Gibson Park was brilliant when he came on. And there's an argument for Gibson Park to start this weekend, I think. But having Sexton there with all of his years, you know, 37 years old, playing professional rugby for nearly two decades, <laughs> it will be, you know, that's, that's a huge amount of, of game experience and intelligence that they have there. Even the way himself and O'Mahony challenged Luke Pierce over the try that wasn't. The felt the fact that, you know, they knew that they weren't going to get it, but they were able to push uh, you know the referee in, into what they wanted from it and they were able to do it without getting themselves in any trouble. Whereas uh, Jamie Ritchie got himself in trouble later on. You know, he, he the way he went about it was was badly done. And like that's not something you would have said about Sexton a couple of years ago that he was able to manage referees. That was a big flaw in his captaincy. But he's he's managed that out now. So they are, and the, the, you know, there's a there's a calmness. I think again, this comes back to the work they do with Keegan. If you watch them in the in the coaches' box, there's a calmness to what they're doing. It's not never too um, excitable. It's it's. I remember Ron Nagara talking about Scott Robertson and the Crusaders, and he has a rule that you're not allowed to get excited in the like. No one is allowed to shout in the coaching box. You're not allowed to get in your feet. You got to be calm. This is a place of work. This is a place of business. You got to get your business done. So the messages going down onto the pitch are calm. That they're. They're able to make key decisions without, you know, dispassionately in as much as you can when you're in a stadium full of people and there's so much on the line. So they're, it's so impressive. We're so unused to this with Irish teams. <laughs> they're front running, like they're really confident front runners. They've been the best, they were the favourites for this tournament. They're the best team in this tournament and they played like the best team in this tournament. They've won games, should have got a fourth bonus point trying our game bonus sport win of the season yesterday in Murrayfield despite everything and they'll be dis- disappointed disappointed that they didn't get the bonus point like that's how high standards they have um and you just can't see them losing it from here as tempting fate as that is and uh, we're going to tempt fate even more going after yesterday's performance and you know confident front runners Eamon Sweeney said uh in a piece in the end of this morning that yesterday's win over Scotland provided the most persuasive evidence yet that Ireland really can win the World Cup. Agree? They can. Can is yeah. the can is the important word. I mean, they certainly should get past the quarter final. They it would be such an amazing disappointment if they were to flop again. Now the draw is horrible. We all know what the draw is horrible. Now you'd be a little bit more comfortable about Scotland in that pool than you were before. But even if they don't get over South Africa in the pool and they've got a basically a last sixteen game against Scotland on a Saturday 
Then they play France or New Zealand the following Saturday. That's a really hard schedule. And on their day, if they get everything right, France or New Zealand could take down Ireland on a, in over 80 minutes. And even if Ireland play really, really well, they could come up short. And I, all I want to see is that they, they throw everything at it and they, 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 they come, you know, they give their best in the quarterfinal because they haven't done that. They've reserved their last, the last, the worst performance of the last two World Cup cycles have come in the quarterfinals. You know the last in the last two World Cups, so that's you know record defeats. They've lost both record defeats. Can they win the World Cup? Yes, it's going to be really hard because you need to have four big games in a row. Grand Slam is pretty good practice for that. Um, obviously we have a thirty-seven-year-old captain who you know can he get through that level that amount of rugby? That's going to be difficult. It's it's definitely there for them, and they they'll never be in a better position going to a World Cup than they are right now. But at the same time, I think the Grand Slam in Dublin is worth focusing on as well. Absolutely, and it's worth yeah. winning in its own right. So they can win the World Cup. They probably should get at least past the quarterfinal into a semifinal. And once they're there, all bets are off. But right now, I think they're they're right to focus on what they have in front of their faces. To win a Grand Slam in front of their own fans, in front of their own families, that's, a, that's a, it's going to be a special day. Yeah, it's going to be special. An emotional week for the likes of Johnny Sexton, who uh, will be playing in his final Six Nations game. So when Andy Farrell names his team on Thursday, um, what what changes are we going to see, Rory? Ryan Baird for Henderson. Kieran Trebel coming onto the bench. Unless they go with Trebel to start, but I don't see it. I think you got you. The next man up. Ryan Baird's been very good in the last two games. Henshaw for Ringrose. I think that's pretty straightforward. Sheehan, if he's fit, will stay there. Um, I would imagine Keller, like the way Andy Farrell was talking yesterday, Keller was the more serious of the two injuries. I'm really surprised that he's in that he's in the yeah. spot. Maybe the x-rays have come back cleaner than they expected, but Sheehan's x-rays were clean, so that's a good a good sign that the shoulder hasn't been you know, materially damaged. They also were pretty upbeat on Doris. Jack Honan was exceptional, though, so there's an argument for playing him. You know, probably not if, if Doris is fit, because Doris is so important, but it depends on how much training he can get through. Tactically, I think the only change I would make personally is bringing Gibson Park in. I thought he was superb. He was, um, yeah. I don't like Andrew Porter went eighty. I think he's able to go again, even though that's a lot of lot of miles under the clock. Other than that, I don't see any real real reason to to disrupt it anymore. The back three were exceptional. Aki Henshaw, you rely on those. Gibson Park Sexton, you know that's that's excellent. Front row, absolutely leave it there. You know James Ryan, you're not touching him. And then the back row, Omahani was superb. Unless they feel like Omani put in such a big shift that he needs to go onto the bench and, and have an influence from there, maybe. And they'll know, they'll have all the data. But I, I just don't think at this late, this stage of the game, you, you mess too much with that formula. Yeah. So, and just quick one at England there again. I mean, records, broke all kind of records with that really, really uh, poor performance against France. But surely we're going to expect a response from the corner they've backed themselves into here. You'd imagine so. Ollie Lawrence is out for them, so like I have a feeling he'll either go Smith Farrell in order to kind of fudge this ten battle that he's got, or even Ford Farrell to kind of yeah. He he could go Ford Farrell to a laggy, go back to the old tried and dusted from from four years ago, and you know Ireland fear England more when two laggies in the team, and and I know he hasn't been the player he was, and he's just back from a suspension, but I, he's I got still a good record against Ireland. He's got a phenomenal record, and he derailed. He almost sing, well not single handedly because they were very good in 2019 as a whole, but he was so good that day when they derailed Ireland's World Cup bid, um, or World Cup year. It's hard to see them like sure look they'll be they have to be better. They can't be as bad again, but considering where they're coming from and how little work they've done under this head coach, I mean. Again, I go back to Cardiff and the emotion in the stadium just before kickoff, and thinking when I saw Ken Owens cry that Wales are going to come up with something special and Gatlin's first day. But like the more the more this, you see this Irish team, like this, this, this you know, they're like the scientific approach, and like England, you know, emotion is the is the magic. Like you can't rely on magic to get you through. You can't rely on emotion 
to beat this Ireland team away from home with a limited game plan. I mean, we haven't seen the conditions yet, but in front of a home crowd, the only thing is that, you know, we've seen Leinster seize up on big days over the last couple of years and the game Ireland play requires them to be a bit loose, a bit fluid. So if they're a little bit off, if the expectation gets to them, if the, if they, you know, their discipline slips in the first five minutes and, 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 and all of the different things that come into your mind in a final, in, you know, with, at, in front of your family and stuff, if that gets to them a little bit and they get off, they, and they got off to a bad start and they let England get ahead, then they might be in a bit of trouble, but even then, you you would back them to solve their solve the problems in front of them. And to be honest, they've started games so well over the last year that it's really hard to see that happening. So we've got to go off the evidence we have, and not just like the kind of the fears that deep. Like you know, I suppose a lifetime following Irish rugby would lead you to kind of think, God, they're going to screw this up somehow. But like, this team haven't given us any evidence to show that they're going to do that. So you'd have to back them from here to get it done, particularly against an English team who are. Like if they get a decent performance, they'll be happy. Like at the stage they're at, they just want the Six Nations to be over. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what a cracking week we've got ahead. Okay, great stuff, Rory. Thanks for that. Now, we'll be with you all this week here on The Left Wing, counting down to Saturday's huge game. Tomorrow, we'll have a special edition of The Left Wing to mark 10 years since the Irish women's team won their first and only Grand Slam back in 2013. Uh, the head coach of that day, Philip Doyle, the captain, Fiona Coughlin, and Lynn Cantwell will be on that podcast. Uh, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Rate, review and follow the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast.